0: Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about the big impact we could have on our planet by cutting work hours, the strange behavior of superbolts of lightning, and why people associate the sounds of certain names with certain personalities.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity. New research suggests that cutting work hours could have a big impact on the planet. And the good news from the European think tank behind this research is that it's probably more doable than you might think. And if you've ever heard this show before, you know that neither Ashley nor I will complain about the idea of cutting back on work hours. Nope.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're not lazy. We just are the opposite.
0: (laughs) We actually prefer to work smart and not hard. And there are loads of research into how much better employees and companies perform when they work fewer hours.
1: Yeah, when you're not under constant stress, you actually can think better. Surprise, surprise. Yeah,
0: shocking. (laughs) So how many hours are we talking about cutting? The report concludes that, quote, the actual sustainable work week based on today's levels of productivity and carbon intensity would likely need to be well below 10 hours per week per person, even in relatively carbon efficient economies, unquote. That, of course, is not going to happen in any world that even remotely resembles our current reality. But even if we can't limit full-time work to a breezy 10 hours a week, although that is the dream, we can still make a significant impact on global warming with smaller downward adjustments in work hours. The report notes that even a 1% decrease in working hours could lead to a 1.46% decrease in carbon footprint. That means that even if not all of us, but many of us just switch to a four-day work week, it could help make a big dent in CO2 emissions. Working from home could also help. A study by Global Workplace Analytics found that if every American with a job that could be done from home did so half the time, it would have the same effect on greenhouse gases as taking the entire New York state workforce off the road. And it turns out 40-hour weeks are not productive anyway, There have been experiments looking at reducing employees' hours, including a whole town in Sweden that cut public employee workdays down to six hours. And those studies are finding that employees are able to accomplish the same amount on a reduced schedule, and they're a lot happier for the change. No kidding. It seems we're not wired to work eight straight hours, and there's a lot of fat to be cut from the workday. So send this podcast to your boss. Who knows? Maybe all this evidence will convince your supervisor to do the environmentally conscious thing and let you knock off early a few days a week. One can only hope, right? Curiosity is already leading this charge. We actually work remotely on Fridays.
1: Yeah, and it's great. I get a ton done on Fridays because it's just I get up. I don't even shower I I do it me before more. I do I do all the administrative stuff before I even go on my run. It's a
0: really nice schedule for me. I like it. Fridays at home have been so much more productive than any Friday I have ever spent in an office. Totally. Because when you go in an office on Friday, the whole point is just to complain about how you don't want to be there and you're looking forward to the weekend. Nothing yeah. gets done on a Friday in an office. Yep,
1: that's true. That's my hot take. I agree. A super bolt has a thousand times the energy of regular lightning. And a new study looking into their location and timing has revealed some surprising patterns that we're measuring for the first time ever. As reported by Futurity, this study was led by Earth and Space Sciences Professor Robert Holtzworth, who manages the Worldwide Lightning Location Network. That network runs about 100 lightning detection stations around the world. When lightning reaches three or more different stations, the network can compare the readings to figure out a lightning bolt's exact size and location. The network has been around since the early 2000s, and up until now, researchers didn't have enough data to do a study specifically on superbolts. Out of 2 billion lightning strokes recorded between 2010 and 2018, only 8,000 were confirmed superbolts. But this new research shows that superbolts are most common in the Mediterranean Sea, the Northeast Atlantic, and over the Andes. Slightly lesser hotspots include areas east of Japan, in tropical oceans, and off the tip of South Africa. Unlike regular lightning, superbolts tend to strike over water. They also don't follow the rules for typical lightning when it comes to time of year. Regular lightning hits in the summertime and coincides with summer thunderstorms. But superbolts strike most often in the fall and winter between the months of November and February. The reason for the pattern is still mysterious, and some years have had many more superbolts than others. The researchers say it could be related to sunspots or cosmic rays. But for now, the major lesson is just that this pattern exists. The pattern was unknown before, and now scientists have a whole new mystery to solve.
0: It's just wherever Thor is fighting. That's the answer. I, um... Thor is flying around. He's got Mjolnir. He's throwing lightning bolts. It's superbolts. Obviously, he's Thor. Come on. Come on, scientists. I think you should call them up. Let them know. You know what the world needs more of? Norse meteorologists. (laughs) New research suggests we associate the sounds in certain names with certain personality traits, for better or for worse. In a paper published recently in the Journal of Experimental Psychology General, University of Calgary researchers examined the science behind sound symbolism and how it might apply to names. Sound symbolism describes the phenomenon where certain phonemes, or the units of sound that make up speech, are associated with certain types of shapes, brightness, speed, hue, and taste. So the researchers gave study participants a list of personality traits that were each paired with two names. Then the participants matched the traits with the names they thought the adjectives described the best. And the participants were pretty clear. They thought certain people were more emotional, agreeable, and conscientious, and other people were more extroverted. I'll get to those specific names in a second, but I want to note that these results held even after the researchers corrected for name familiarity and gender bias. By the way, it's important to mention that you can't really predict your personality based on your name. The researchers analyzed how people reported their own personalities, and they didn't find any significant relationship between whether those personalities matched up with their name sounds. So, on to the names. You can find a full list of names and our write-up on this on Curiosity.com, but the paper's main findings show that sonorant phonemes seem to be associated with high emotionality, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. According to phonology, sonorants include vowels, liquids like R and L, glides like J and W, and nasal sounds like M, N, and NG. Names like Alan, June, Owen, Renee, Will, and Mara. On the other hand, names with voiceless stop phonemes are associated with extroversion. In phonology, stops are consonant sounds that are formed when the airflow of tucking completely, well, stops. Voiceless stops include P, K, and T sounds. Names like Chris, Erica, Ted, Katie, Tucker, and Zach— According to the paper's authors, future research should look into how much first impressions on resumes and job applications depend on sound symbolism. More research is sure to come.
1: And now let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that cutting work hours could have a big impact on the planet, even if just some of us cut back. Working remotely could help too.
0: We also learned that superbolts have a thousand times the energy of regular lightning, and scientists are trying to figure out why they show up when they show up.
1: And that people associate sounds in certain names with certain personality traits.
0: You know, it's a pretty extroverted name? What? Thor.
1: Yes. <laughs> wow, you really wrapped this whole episode up in a bow, Cody. Good job. It's
0: not even true because the letter R is a sonorant, so I don't even know if that's accurate. <laughs> but I do know that Thor is definitely the reason why superbolts appear in unpredictable ways. Thor, the Norse meteorologist. More like a meaty thorologist. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious.